This is Binod Shankar. You're listening to Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA, and more. Now, you think why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical, practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered accountant, CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Hello everyone, this is Binod Shankar and welcome to episode number 13 of the RFM podcast. These days everyone is talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning and automation. Of course, if you're planning a career in finance, you're probably curious about the impact of all these on your career. I mean, which sectors will be affected the most and why? Do I need to learn anything new? What should I learn and how can I learn? So who better to answer these questions than someone who is an engineer? who broke into finance, then earned a CFA charter along the way, and now does consulting on AI, ML, etc. Someone like Karima Rahali. Now, I've known Karima for much of the last decade, ever since she stepped into my CFA class. She is thoughtful, patient, engaging, and insightful. And I've actually wanted to interview her ever since I launched the podcast, but she juggles a few balls and hence, it's a bit difficult to get hold of. But now we have her. The guest is uh, Karima Rahali. She is a CFA uh, charter holder. But Karima is more than just a CFA charter holder. She actually has a very interesting background. So I'm going to read out her very impressive resume. And you have to be patient with me. And then you understand why she is on this show. So she uh, finished uh, advanced mathematics and physics studies uh, in Paris uh, before doing a master's degree in civil engineering and construction. Uh, from ESTP Paris. And then after that, she did a postgraduate degree in international project management, a major in international financial and banking strategies from the European School of Management in France. And then, of course, she entered the work, uh, work field. <coughs> <coughs> and she started work with Fortis Investments in Paris, uh, where she was working as a specialist before she moved quickly into a research analyst in fund of funds, screening the universe of investable managers in the MENA, equity and global uh, fixed income markets. Um, Karima, of course, uh, then uh, moved to BNP Paribas, uh, Fortis Investments in London, where she was involved in portfolio management and research analyst activities, fund of funds, uh, looking at equity and fixed income funds of up to 80 million euros. Um, of course, um, then she moved to uh, Union Bancaire Privé, uh, UBP, I hope I'm pronouncing it right in, in, in French, where she, is the, uh, she was the Director Product Specialist um, of the MENA Equity Fund, um, where the target was to increase the fund's AUM. And she was involved in roadshows, personal, personal meetings, product training, 
um, peer group analysis, uh, reporting and portfolio performance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, that was the last position in um, corporate life way back in 2012. And then, of course, she moved into uh, becoming entrepreneur and uh, of a aqua fitness club, uh, which is the first high-end ladies-only boutique aqua fitness and wellness studio in the GCC, which she launched in September 2013. Um, and of course, off late over the past uh, nearly one year plus. So very interesting background, very impressive resume. Uh, so welcome to the show, Karima. Thank you. Thank you, Binad, for the introduction. That took some time, by the way. <laughs> but do, you re- do you know really why you're on this show? Mm-hmm. Take a guess. Because of the AI and uh, the machine well, learning. I, I would like to say yes, but you and I share three things which uh, uh, not more than, more than, not really AI. One is entrepreneurship. Second is the fitness. Passion for fitness. <laughs> yes. And third, of course, is the charter, CFA charter, which is, is huge and undeniable. So, yeah, so a lot of things that I found out interestingly that binds us together, which I didn't realize when I first met you in class um, or even uh, after that. Right. So what I want to ask you, one of the first things I want to really ask you is, you know, why the jump from civil engineering and construction to a postgraduate degree in international financial and banking strategies? What was the motivation for that? Okay. So in France, many um, engineers complement actually their um, engineering degrees by uh, business-related degrees. That's quite normal. Uh, so to, to have like other skills than the pure scientific and engineering side. So that's what uh, I, I did actually. Uh, basically, at the end of my uh, Master of Science in Building Engineering, I realized that um, I wanted something a little bit more fast-paced than a typical uh, building engineering project management, which was a very long race before having something, uh, a full project to manage by, uh, by yourself. And at that time, I had uh, one of my friends who is also a building engineer like myself, who was working in a, a bank, uh, a big bank in London. And he really um, encouraged me to do the move and helped me to understand better what I really wanted. So basically, it's not really a jump for me, but rather a natural continuity of a career where I knew that the numbers and the technical side will still be there. Interesting. Actually, you remind me, Karima, of many people in the subcontinent, right, in India, who do the engineering degree and then do an MBA or a master's. Yes. Um, because it's a very good combination of technical skills and uh, how do you say, organizational, um, people management, Business. project management mm-hmm. skills, isn't it? So interesting. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about your career moves. Um, so yes, you first went to Fortis where you worked as a, a RFP specialist uh, for nearly about, what, uh, slightly less than two years. But then two years, could, yeah. Yeah. And then you moved into as a research analyst or fund of fund, which is really, you know, what you talk about, what is a core finance, right? which is what mm-hmm. most people would love to uh, start uh, their, their careers with, especially if you, if you, if you are in finance. So uh, how did you manage the move from what is essentially a sales support uh, to research analyst? 
Yes, uh, so this position of sales support uh, at Fortis Investments was meant to last for two years. Mm. Uh, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to understand better uh, the asset management industry because I was interacting uh, not only with the sales and marketing side, but also with the fund managers, with analysts, with the traders, with the compliance officers. So very quickly, I realized that I really wanted to go to the technical side to understand better the nitty gritty of the investment processes, the investment strategies. And I approached my boss at that time and I clearly mentioned to her that I wanted to move to the investment side uh, for my uh, next uh, step. And she completely agreed with me because she saw that I was quite different from other members in her team, that I was really hungry for the, the technicalities. And luckily enough, at that time, there was a new fund of fund team, uh, which was um, uh, creating in London and I had the interview with the CIO there and I got the job as a, uh, a fund uh, analyst there. So that's how I did. You make it sound very easy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. It, it makes sense, actually, but uh, definitely it's a lot of commitment and uh, work because I really did my part of the job. I, I was, uh, without uh, asking my boss, I was very proactive, uh, organizing meetings with fund manager, go, going uh, through their investment processes, understanding their strategy, the stock selection, the bond selection. So... Uh, so it's like a commitment from your side if you really want to to move to the investment side you need to show that you are hungry for that yeah it's quite interesting you say that because yes you have to go over and beyond what you were initially hired to do but then karima you must also have had a very good rapport with your bosses right because people don't normally allow roles change because i'm sure a lot of people searching or hunting for that particular juicy role so um, yes. you probably were, I mean, even now, uh, we have kept in touch for long. One reason is you're, you're a very good people person. Do you think your people skills played a big role in that switch? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is key. You need to be like uh, uh, having a very good communication skills to be very proactive, to uh, uh, establish really strong relationships with your team, with uh, the colleagues, with your boss. That's, that's key if you want to do any move uh, in your career. Fantastic. And of course, that's, that's one big reason I'm sure why you rose very fast in your, in our, in your career, you know, through, through, through several banks and several roles. Um, now, let's talk about, of course, uh, a common topic, CFA, right? Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, I realized that you finished the CFA well after you left banking and finance, right? Which is quite yeah. unusual. Um, uh, it's not uh, impossible. Uh, it's unusual. What are the reasons for the, what was what really motivated you to finish wrap up the, and get the charter after you left uh, you know banking well the the first reason for me is when i start something i really like to finish it properly uh, even if i'm failing i'm going to restart again I'm a very determined person. If I succeed, that's it. I'm happy and uh, I'm going to look for another opportunity. It's really in my DNA. And the second uh, big reason is that I really love the CFA curriculum, uh, especially level two and level three. I find it's really interesting and quite exhaustive. So basically, when indeed, when I set the level uh, uh, three, I was, it was a few months before I left the banking and uh, finance. So I got my certification a couple of months uh, later. 
And also, um, I was uh, willing to do a break from my financial career. And uh, I needed to make sure that I have the right certification and degrees to do whatever I wanted in the future. Uh, so this is like a little bit also in my DNA. For me, uh, you need to have a very strong knowledge and the right certification uh, to, to, to be free and to do whatever you want. But, but interestingly also, Karim, I think uh, while, while you were basically taking a break for your financial career, you were also having, uh, you also raising a family, right? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I was uh, pregnant of uh, my second baby, actually. Exactly. So you had, you had a growing family, you had the CFA studies, and you are planning to open your wellness and fitness studio, which we will talk about later on, 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 this, on this interview. So you were yes. juggling many things at the same time. So, you know... Um, how do you do it? Is <laughs> my question. I think that I don't like to be bored. <laughs> I am a quite of a hyperactive person. I I believe I really like to do many things to keep myself busy. I'm very curious, so I need to do several time several things at the uh, the same time. So uh, for me, there was I, I I'm thinking in silos. Like this is my family, this is my career, this is my project. I'm, I'm launching a new thing. So. Uh, it's completely uh, feasible if you are really well organized and uh, very determined and motivated as well. Yeah, I think the key motivation was your search for variety and uh, something engaging and intellectually stimulating, right? I mean, I also, Absolutely. I also do many projects mainly driven by those reasons and not necessarily commercial reasons, right? Um, Absolutely. Now, going to the CFA journey again, because I'm sure it is huge for you, uh, uh, being a basically a working mom, also being an entrepreneur, trying to be you know build your business and a brand, um, and then of course the CFA studies. Can you tell me three key challenges you faced during CFA, and very importantly, how did you uh, tackle this? Okay, so I think the first one that many uh, CFA candidates face um, is the time management. When I started the level one, I was already working and married. So balancing my personal life and my professional and student life was my first challenge. Mm. So I decided to organize uh, myself really properly, studying like few hours after my uh, working hours and also during the weekends with like a specific slots. I was giving myself from 8 a.m. until 7 p.m. Then I was allocating some time for, for my family, for my husband and for my friends. So it is manageable if you decide to organize yourself accordingly. And the second challenge was to keep my motivation and co commitment consistent. Sometimes, definitely, I was feeling tired. I was feeling overwhelmed with the amount of things that I had to do. So I allowed myself to rest uh, and to take few hours here and there, but compensate them when I was feeling fully energized, uh, like by doubling the amount of working, studying time. This is really key. You need to be like in good shape uh, for uh, tackling this uh, exam. So, like keeping your eyes on the ball is, is key. Mm. And finally, um, sometimes I was really uh, feeling lost with the quantity of material that I had to review because uh, coming from a French engineering background, we need to read every single word in a book <laughs> to be feeling ready for oh. something. 
So uh, to help myself, I decided to enroll to um, CFA uh, training class, like the one which is organized here in Dubai by Kaplan Genesis. And I have to say that being with other people who are going through the same challenges as yourself is quite comforting. Not to mention the huge help that uh, the trainers uh, are giving us by really focusing on the key uh, concepts and consolidating all our knowledge to be ready for the, the exam. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful for that. I mean, you mentioned something about uh, your French engineering background. So A, you have an engineering background. Um, B, it's in French, in France, not in English. So that, that means English is not your native language. So in level three, in the morning, when you have the written part, you know, the, what they call constructed response. Yeah. Um, yes. How did you manage to write quickly concisely and clearly under huge stress? I think the engineering, uh, one of the engineering skills is to learn, uh, is to teach you how to, to be concise, to summarize, to analyze data and to summarize very quickly. I have been like uh, in an English business speaking environment uh, since 2007 approximately. So um, even if it's true that I, I studied all in French, and I had only few English lessons uh, here and there. I managed to learn all my financial concepts in, in, in English. So after the switch was quite easy for me because I uh, um, relied on my uh, analytical and uh, my analytical skills and my engineering skills to help me to go to the point. So that's, I think, the, 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 the number one skill that's helped me in level three. It's interesting you say that, Karima, because a few of my students, not many, a few of my students come from engineering background in CFA and they are very analytical, very structured. They also always want to know why, why something is, you know, uh, so the US yes. gap IFRS uh, difference in FRA drives them mad uh, and, and they don't do that well in FRA, but they do fantastically well in equities and fixed income and quants and derivatives and things like that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I suppose engineering background helps not only in in terms of knowledge, but also the way you think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that's key. Yeah, that, that's key, exactly. So interesting. And then, um, you know, you, you, you're not content with being a, uh, what do you call, a, a, a banker, corporate banker in, in a big multinational company. You are not okay with uh, finishing uh, the CFA <laughs> and getting the charter. You are not even okay with uh, raising your family. You decided, hey, I want more challenges. <laughs> So yes. let me try my hand at entrepreneurship. Um, so, and this is very interesting and important for me because obviously, you know, my background, um, quit corporate life, set up a training company and, and, and then and now very much focused on fitness. So my question to you, because we are people of like minds, uh, but I want to hear your answer. Why entrepreneurship and why specifically uh, entrepreneurship in fitness? So entrepreneurship, because uh, I saw a business opportunity in the fitness industry uh, here in Dubai and in the UAE in general. And for the little story, uh, in my family, no one is entrepreneur, really. I was the first one to make the, the, this leap. <laughs> so I still remember my parents being completely shocked when I uh, announced to them that I wanted to open a, a business in fitness. But they had to trust me on that because they know that I am 100% uh, determined. Uh, 
So as you mentioned before, I am really a fitness freak. I have always been uh, a very sporty professional. This is uh, coming from uh, my, uh, my dad, let's say, who was really the sporty uh, one. I was the only one amongst my siblings to always go with him for a jogging race at 5 a.m. in the morning, cycling tour and uh, other um, challenging uh, workouts. And my mom was always very interested in like alternative beauty remedies, uh, healthier food options uh, and this has passed down to me because I am still doing it right now I'm very passionate about fitness and wellness in general uh, exploring alternative food uh, for my kids as well and tackling their intolerances so um, fitness I discovered actually aqua biking which is the core business of my studio uh, today in 2005 and I was absolutely amazed by the concept because it was combining everything that I liked, water. I am a very good swimmer and I love working out in uh, the water. And the workout, which can be, uh, depending on your liking, uh, easy, medium or hard. So uh, I was also very, um, very interested in bringing something unique in the region because back in 2013, there was no studio of aqua biking as such. They did not know what was aqua biking and I was very excited to introduce something which is full of benefit and which was an alternative to the typical uh, regular uh, workout. So you can work out in another way. It is interesting and the more I listen to you, the more I feel that, you know, we have a lot more in common than I initially suspected. So, so <laughs> I'm seriously, because even if you think about my passion for fitness and training and education came from my mom, right? She was a college professor, very much a health and fitness uh, focused. And of course, I grew up watching her. She was a, she was a single mother. So I think that the influence that parents have on kids is vastly underrated. And, and they do have a huge impact, especially in the formative years, right? So Absolutely, yeah. This is like uh, your first foundation. So you are growing with this and you are making it your own uh, the more you are uh, aging. Exactly, exactly. I mean, look back and you see the connections and, and, uh, and the pros and cons, right? Okay, so so much about your career, uh, banking, CFA, um, entrepreneurship, fitness. Now, of course, I'm going to get into an area which is uh, relatively new and there's a huge amount of uh, discussion and uh, what you call uh, uh, training and, and uh, complexity going on, which is basically automation, right? Uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, so, yes. of course, you're an engineer, so, you know, it would be more natural for you to go that way. But still, you know, uh, with this background of yours, how and why did you get interested in AI and NML. So as I mentioned before, I was taking a break from my financial career, but I made sure to make myself, to keep myself up to date um, for the financial market. And I was like uh, regularly attending a CFA Emirates Society event. So once my studio was up and running, I started to get more interested into the field of uh, robo-advisory. So robo-advisory are, are robo-advisors, are uh, financial advisors with online portfolio management services. And I was really intrigued by uh, the fact that they have uh, disrupted the wealth management and portfolio management area, which was actually my previous job. So to understand the, the, the technical side of this tech tool, I decided to enroll to a machine learning um, training uh, 
because you know me, I like numbers. I like to understand a little bit more. And it was an absolute eye opener for me. I realized the extent, the extent of the application of AI and machine learning, not only to finance, but also to all the other industries and sectors, such as, for example, uh, automotive industry with the self-driving car, the healthcare, the e-commerce. So the more I was like uh, trained on machine learning, the more I wanted to, to learn more. And there are like a variety of things to, to do. So I get myself uh, training online, offline, uh, uh, here and in Europe to understand really well the, the foundation of these uh, technologies. Correct. I mean, uh, it's interesting because uh, you come with that background. But also going forward, I mean, um, if you look at this main three areas of focus in the CFA, right? What CFA prepares you for? Uh, you have asset management, you have wealth management, and you have investment research, right? So what is your idea? What is your uh, outlook on the impact uh, over the next, say, not too long, of course, the next five years of AI and ML in this in these three areas that I mentioned. What do you think is going to change and how and why? Yeah, the impact of AI and ML in these three areas will definitely be profound. I really uh, believe that it has already started with hedge fund managers and, uh, managers and fund managers using uh, algorithmic trading, whereby um, they use an AI-based uh, trading system to execute trades for their clients at the best prices and at, the, uh, at, an early, at a faster speed without upsetting the market. And this AI-based system is uh, continuing uh, its learning and uh, it optimizes the, the trades. So um, for me, uh, I believe that the main game changer actually will come from the use of alternative data or big data. What we call big data uh, is data that are um, having a large volume. We are calling them big data because of their volume, their velocity, and their variety. So volume, you have data which is sent or received with the sizes uh, around like exabytes which is like billions of gigabytes. Uh, velocity, you have data which is sent or received at nearly uh, near real time or real time. And variety, the data which is received um, is under the format of structured data, like CSV files, as we know, or unstructured data, such as uh, satellite imaging or uh, audio recording, etc. So the use of these new sources of data by investment uh, research department will give them a huge informational advantage in the sense that it will help them to uncover new information which is not contained in traditional financial sources, such as quarterly corporate earning or the low frequency macroeconomic data that we are having. But also it can help them to uncover the same information, but at an earlier time. So if this investment research department uh, use the machine learning algorithm, uh, this algorithm will quickly analyze news feeds for them, tweets, they will process earning statements, scrape websites, and recognize patterns and trends, which will um, enable this uh, investment research department to make um, better informed investment decisions and structure more efficient investment strategies. So, so yeah, sorry, go on. I just wanted to give you, for example, uh, uh, one example of the use of this alternative data, which is uh, the sentiment analysis. Um, this is done through like an algorithm called natural language processing. 
So how it works briefly is uh, that this algorithm has to extract first uh, to extract the identity of the speaker. Then it establishes, for example, if it's, it is like uh, working on a tweet, it establishes the topic being discussed, what we call a theme. It can be a Fed hack, it can be coronavirus crisis, anything. Then a sentiment score is assigned to the article uh, using a technique of NLP, which is called a bag of words. So this kind of model is used by some companies to trade, for example, broad market indices, um, where sometimes they are giving daily directional indicator, consolidating uh, sentiments across many social media sources to produce a buy or sell signal on, on right. a specific uh, uh, index like S&P 500, for example. So, so my question here was, um, and I don't, I don't sort of, I want to sound like a devil's advocate here. I'm not a technical guy, of course. Is Okay, so you are working in an investment firm. You have using NLP and big data and sentiment analysis. You are somehow able to create alpha for your clients, right? Um, yes. As in you're able to beat the market, right? But what's to prevent your competition copying this eventually after some time and then you suddenly lose gradually over time your alpha or your secret sauce? I mean, this is just another tool that could be copied. Uh, what's your view? First of all, you need to know that not all the data has alpha, for sure. So you need to choose the right data which uh, will have uh, enough alpha to make, uh, to make it either as a viable standalone uh, strategy uh, or uh, combine it with other signals to yield a viable portfolio uh, strategy. So uh, the skill of uh, a quant manager or anyone who is using this data is to extract the right uh, data which has alpha, uh, to extract data which is uh, less well known, let's say, and uh, to work on different type of uh, process data. For example, fundamental investors will prefer definitely processed signals and insights instead of a large amount of raw data. Uh, they, they will have that through a research report, an alert or trade ideas. But um, uh, someone who is like more into like processing the data will use like raw data uh, or semi-processed formats of the, the data. So the quality of the data is really key uh, for you to be able to leverage and to use your machine learning algorithm uh, properly. That's where I think the differences between people will, uh, will take place. Uh, everyone has access to the data in different yeah. ways, but uh, yeah. uh, the quality of the data, the frequency of the data, the latency, the format is really, and the technical aspect of the data is uh, key for you to have something which is uh, providing uh, alpha. And, and I suppose what you said earlier, very interesting, you said uh, one way that you can maintain your alpha or you, you can maintain your competitive edge is because there's so much unstructured data out there, right, Karima? I mean, the satellite yes. images and weather data and you know the blogs and blogs and uh, voice data and, and uh, exactly. So there's, there are so many ways in which you can um, extract information from the data and and model uh, and predict and, and beat the market i suppose yeah yes true okay right. so one question i've been asked a lot by the way especially these days you know and one question i keep asking myself is okay so you're a cfa candidate or you're a cfa charter holder right you've finished your course um mm -hmm. you're very good with your equities and fra and derivatives and hopefully you're ethical as well right <laughs> with yes. all this yeah, very important let's not forget ethics in the age of automation right um, definitely yeah and so 
why would I be bothered? Why would he or she be bothered about learning about AI or ML? You know, I, I know my investing uh, tools and techniques. I know the markets. I know myself, hopefully, you know, uh, being a student of behavioral finance, blah, blah, blah. So first of all, I don't have an engineering background. Uh, I, don't ha- I don't know anything about coding or not much about mathematics or statistics or, or in my case, I didn't even know much Excel, to be honest. So mm-hmm. what, uh, what has AI and ML got to do with me? to add value where I'm working. Can I add value? In other words, should I acquire any skills and are those skills of any value when there are experienced quant guys out there with, you know, degrees in what you call quantitative finance from fancy universities? What kind of effect can I make? You know, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that it's uh, in an era of increasing AI and ML, a finance professional definitely needs to have, uh, like, uh, uh, to be familiar with many uh, machine learning algorithms, to know their pros and cons without going into the coding parts. You don't need to go into like coding and uh, go deep. This is like uh, you can leave it for other people. But definitely, you, you need to understand uh, this algorithm and their use in uh, financial forecasting. Uh, but more than that, you need to develop like an innovative mindset and a creative problem solving skills to find new ways to increase value with the insights uh, from machine learning algorithm. So um, a CFA candidate or charter holder needs to quickly adapt to the change in our environment and also uh, be able to leverage on uh, the economic value delivery of uh, AI and machine learning. And if you are not a technical uh, person, you need to get yourself at least the basic maths to start in machine learning to understand you. So I was about to come to that, right? So yes, I agree with the mindset. I agree with that. You have to adapt to the environment. I agree that you have to sharpen your domain knowledge. But what do I need to go back to? So do I need to learn more of, I don't know, regression analysis or time series or probability concepts or, um, I don't know, uh, set theory or linear programming? And what do I need to learn in terms of technical skills, apart from the mindset, to basically um, make an impact? Starts by the machine learning algorithm for sure. In machine learning, there are several um, categories. Like uh, the 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 most uh, basic ones are, for example, the supervised learning, which is the regression that we know, the linear regression. But mm-hmm. there are like uh, other kind of regression, like lasso regression, which is dealing with uh, nonlinear relationships, uh, classification. This does not need like to be uh, uh, very proficient in uh, in maths and stats, but definitely you need a basis of maths. Uh, coding, um, it's not like uh, like the hardcore coding kind of uh, things you need like a, a base in python language uh, to understand how to implement for example but definitely much more than this uh, technical skills you need also to develop your market intuition because um, no uh, data scientist will be able to uh, to give even with the best insight from machine learning algorithm will be t- uh, able to design efficient uh, uh, tradable uh, strategies and investment strategies. So the market intuition and uh, knowing uh, the, 
the underlying data that uh, you are dealing with are key actually to combine it with machine learning algorithm. So combining your uh, um, domain expertise and your financial uh, expertise with um, a basic understanding of machine learning algorithm can help you a lot. So exactly, so what I, what I keep telling a lot of CFA students, right, and charter holders is domain expertise is absolutely critical. If you know enough yes. about the pharma or aviation or hospitality industries, if you really know your stuff, then you don't need to know much uh, coding or math or statistics, probably. You can really uh, maybe interact with the quant analyst and basically, you know, uh, yeah. craft a solution together. And we have, anyway, a good base in uh, CFA curriculum in terms of uh, probabilities and stats. So it's like uh, a good base. You can brush up on your math skills uh, and then you can definitely go into uh, pre-built machine learning algorithms and get to use them. But uh, the, the key is like the, the, the market intuition, the financial expertise and combining both to, to leverage on this insights from AI and machine learning. So, so I was looking. I was looking at your resume, right, Karima? At the right, at the bottom, you have additional key skills and competencies, right? <laughs> and then, in that, you have languages. Okay, fine. Native French and Arabic speaker, fluent English, conversation Spanish. You, you didn't tell me how the Spanish. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, right? So, <laughs> and then you have IT slash financial tools, and oh my God, you have Python, Seaborn, Matplotlib, NumPy, Jupyter, Notebook, Spark. Latent zero, Lipper, Decalog. The only thing I could understand this whole was Microsoft Office. So, <laughs> so basically, I mean, you're saying that CFA candidates and charter holders, we don't, we don't need to know all this, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You, you need like basic understanding of Python. And yeah. this is libraries used in Python, like uh, NumPy, Seaborn, and all these things. So oh, okay. uh, this can, can be learned. I, I, I have no, no issues with CFA candidate learning that very quickly. Okay, fantastic. Interesting. Right. So I think you have been through a lot, uh, experienced a lot in life, uh, corporate life, entrepreneurship, uh, fitness. Of course, you know, uh, on the family side, on the personal side as well, you've gone from what, Morocco to France to yes. London to yeah. UAE. Have I missed out any location? No, uh, no, that's no. perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exact. You're, you're multilingual, you're versatile. Um, I think I've mentioned almost everything. I hope I've not missed out much. So my question to you is, um, for those listening to this podcast, what are your three key lessons in career and life, Karima? What do you think? The first one definitely uh, is the passion. I know that a lot of people are saying that, but it's really true. You need to, to be passionate about what you are doing to keep the motivation high and the commitment high. And also uh, to, to help you drive uh, people around you if you are a, a team leader or manager. So I'm going to jump in here. Sorry to interrupt, but how do you know what you're passionate about when you're young, when you're in your 20s, like most listeners of this podcast? You're a fresh graduate, first job. How do you, know, how do you figure out what, what, what really drives you? What, how did you figure you, out? You experiment things. I think it's critical. Uh, like very few people know exactly what they want to do at uh, 20 years old. Exactly. So you need to experiment different kind of uh, 
uh, things and see which one is like really uh, exciting you and making you feel that okay this is what I want to do and maybe um, along the way as as for as it was for me I was very excited about the building engineering path uh, but at the end I realized that no this is not for me I wanted something a little bit more fast-paced so don't be scared to experiment things this is the best way for you to fine-tune uh, your uh, preferences and you to to find your passion actually and you can have several passions you you are not limited to one actually so uh, as i said uh, i i am in ai and machine learning but i absolutely love also the alternative uh, food options and uh, the the whole subject about intolerances and allergies i'm mm -hmm. like i'm having several passions uh, driving me you need something to keep your motivation and your drive and your ambition as well so what was the passion uh, what else what, what are the lessons would you say about career and life Okay, curiosity is definitely, definitely uh, very important. Be curious, be yeah? Curious. Yeah, 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 be curious. Try to learn as much as possible. This, this will help you to always improve your skill and uh, keep yourself motivated. Like try to explore different things and to understand uh, the why of these things to keep yourself uh, going. And the final uh, lesson, uh, it's to be grateful as well of what you have already in life, in your career. But uh, keep yourself um, focused and determined to explore every other option that could make your life better and happier. I think the last point is so very important, Karim, and especially in these times, uh, yeah. virus, lockdown, and you're seeing you know, the pandemic devastating entire you know, sort of countries, uh, economies, industries, companies. Uh, one should be grateful and one should count one's blessings. I always tell my colleagues and friends and uh, my connections, right? Because uh, there's always something that you should be happy for. Uh, and that sort of makes you, you know, more productive and more motivated and more positive And make, like you said, makes you happier as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah so definitely. Fantastic. And we, we tend to forget that, unfortunately, <laughs> because in our like uh, daily routine and our life and ambitions and things like that, we, we forget to stop and just be grateful of what we have then and then continue pursuing whatever we are doing anyway. Fantastic. Well, uh, it's time to bring this very delightful interview, Karima, to a, to a close. Um, thank thank you. you so much, uh, Karima, for sharing your experiences and your views uh, because it's quite varied you know right from banking to finance to cfa to entrepreneurship fitness uh, and of course very important topics of ai and ml and investment management and trading and of course uh, yeah. how do you approach uh, life and career as well right uh, very important mm -hmm. lessons for every youngster for everyone not just you know in terms of young of age and, yes. um, i'll watch your progress with considerable interest <laughs> and, <laughs> thank and you probably, so much probably pick your brains now and then for uh, you know tips and uh, tricks of ai and ml because i'm not a with pleasure at all. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> with pleasure yeah thank you so much for having me thanks kariba thank you this podcast was brought to you by the real finance mentor thank you so much for listening and i really hope you found it insightful and inspirational if you did enjoy this episode please drop us a review and spread the word and be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binot Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes 
plus book reviews, upcoming events, and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.